Chapter 14 of the Radio Planet. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Kenneth Sargent Gagan. The Radio Planet by Ralph Milne Farley. Chapter 14 Old Friends. Doggo, he cried. Doggo, they told me you were dead. But, of course, all this was lost on the radio speech sense of the prisoner. Vicarine soldiers interposed their spears between Miles Cabot and what they believed was sure destruction at the jaws of the black beast. Cabot recalled, Judge, he called out, order off your henchmen. I'm not crazy, nor do I court death. This creature is the only one of the Formians who I can control. He will prove a valuable ally for us if we can persuade him to forgive the indignities which your men have already heaped upon him. I don't believe you, Judge replied, for how can men communicate with beasts, especially with strange speech such as this, like the which a man never set eyes on before? Remember that I'm a magician, Miles returned somewhat testily. Then seeing that Judge was still obstinate, he addressed the guards. You know me, Mr. Magician. Yes, they sullenly admitted. And you know the magic of which I'm now engaged and to which all my recent expeditions relate? Yes, one replied. You seek to call down the lightnings of heaven and harness them to transport your words across the boiling seas. Rightly spoken, the radio man asserted. Therefore, if you do not stand aside, I shall call those lightnings down for another purpose, namely to blast you. Stand aside. One of the guards spoke to another. Why should we risk our lives to save his? Let the magician save himself. So they stood aside. As Miles stepped into the cage, and he and Doggo each patted each other's cheeks through the bars, the excuse-maker sheepishly explained, I knew that you were speaking the truth, but I wanted to learn what method you would use to handle the soldiers. You did nobly. Bunk, the earthman ejaculated, well knowing that the Vicarine would not understand him. What means that word? Judd inquired, much interested. That, Miles replied, grinning, it is a complimentary term often applied on my own planet, the Earth, to the remarks of our great leaders. Judd highly complimented. Let it go at that. Miles now ordered paper and a charcoal pencil and began a conversation with his aunt friend. They told me you were dead, he wrote, or I never would have left the city of Urana or deserted your cause. My cause died with my daughter, the Queen, Doggo replied. I'm a lone survivor. I escaped by plane, and have been flitting around the country ever since, until my alcohol gave out. Then these furry Cupians captured me. They got me with a net so I could not fight back. Also, I was distant from my airship at the time, or I would have gone hard with them. For the ship is well stocked with bombs and rifle cartridges, and one rifle. Now tell me of yourself. How do you stand with these furry Cupians? They are not Cupians, Miles wrote. They are Vacarines. A race much like myself, who send messages with their mouths and with their ears, instead of using their antenna for both, as the Cupians and Euphormians do. Do you remember the old legend of Cupia? That creature like me dwell beyond the boiling seas? Well, it appears to have been true, though how anyone could have known or even suspected it is a mystery to me. You have not told me how you stand, the Ant-Man reminded him. They recognize me as a great magician, Miles answered. And I have promised to build them a radio set and lead them to victory over the Formians. Just as you did for the Cupians, Doggo mused. But you will have a harder task here, for these furry creatures appear to know no metals 
nor any of the arts save wood carving they patted each other's cheeks again then before anyone could interfere miles cabot unbolted the door of the cage and out walked doggo a free ant once more the soldiers and judd with him promptly scattered to the four walls of the room come over here judd miles invited and meet my friend that is unless you are afraid oh i do not fear him judd the excuse maker replied but i do not consider it consistent with the dignity of my position to be seen fraternizing with a wild beast it was typical miles laughed then led the huge ant home with him to his quarters quiven was amazed but not all frightened at the great black creature and when an introduction had been effected on paper she and doggo developed quite a strong liking for each other as soon as the formians had been fed and assigned to a room in the menage some improvements over the menagerie by the way his host and hostess took him on a tour of the inspection of their laboratory with a true scientific spirit so characteristic of the culture but warlike race which once dominant cupia doggo plunged at once into the spirit of almost superprovovian task which miles had undertaken and it soon became evident that the newcomer would prove to be an invaluable ascension his scientific training would dovetail exactly with that of the earthman and would supplant it at every point almost at the start he suggested a solution of the problems which had been puzzling miles cabot's recollection of the process of sulfuric acid manufacture had been that it required a complicated roasting furs two filtering towers and a tunnel about two hundred feet long made of lead and into which nitric acid fumes had to be injected his recollection of nitric acid manufacture was that it required sulfuric acid among other ingredients so how was he to make either acid without first having the other and furthermore where was he to procure enough lead to build the two hundred foot tunnel doggo solved these problems very nicely by avoiding them what do you need sulfuric acid for he wrote merely to use in the making of hydrochloric acid wrote the earth man in reply and that to use in making sal ammoniac for my batteries do you need nitric acid for anything except the manufacture of sulfuric no then doggo suggested let us make our sal ammoniac directly from its elements we shall build a series of twenty vertical cast iron retorts as soon as you have smelted your iron these we shall fill with damp salt pressed into blocks and dried we shall heat the retorts with charcoal fires and through them we shall pass then air and the sulfuric fumes of your ore roasting after about fifteen days we shall daily cut out the first retort dump out the soda which is formed in it refill it and place it at the further end of the series the liquid which condenses at the end of the series will be diluted hydrochloric acid by passing the fumes of roasted animal refuse through it we shall convert it into sal ammoniac solutions accordingly the quicker they started their foundry operations the better by this time shallow copyright quartz and charcoal were present in vicarine in large quantities the ore was first roasted and then was piled into the smelter with the quartz and charcoal the air bells were started first was inserted through the slag hole and soon a raging pillar of flame served notice in all vicarine that the devil furnace of the great magician was in full blast by this time it was night but no one thought of stopping of course there were complications the furry soldiers deserted the pumps at first roar of green tinged flame but doggo instantly stepped into the breach and operated all the bellows with his various legs 
finally the warriors on seeing that miles and quiven had survived the ordeal of fire sheepishly returned to their post and soon loudly boasting of their bravery and how their fellows would envy them on the morrow when they should relate their experiences long toward morning cabot drew his first heat of molten matter into a brick ladle and poured it into the converter it was an impressive sight the shadow wooden walled enclosure lit by wavering greenish flare of the pillar of fire which metamorphosed the white skin of the man into that of a jaundiced oriental tinged quiven with green and gold and glinted off the shiny carapace of doggo as off the facets of a bloodstone in the darkness of the background toiled the workers at their pumps then there came a change the hires died down the pumping ceased oil lamps were lit and the ghostly glare gave place to a faint but healthy light although over all hung the ominous silence of expectancy the label was brought up a handhold cover removed and out flowed a crimson liquid tinting all the eager surrounding faces with a, a sinister ruddiness again the red glare as the ladle was poured into the barrel-shaped converter then the pumps were started again and the blast from the converter replaced that of the furnace with its ghostly light two hours later the converter was tipped and pure molten copper was poured out into the ladle once more the sinister ruddiness quickly the molds were filled the red light was gone the spell was broken conversation was resumed the first metallurgy of the vaccarine was an accomplished fact then day came and with it loud pounding on the gate cabot answered it carelessly and abstractedly sliding back the boat before inquiring who was outside the gate swung open with a bang almost knocking miles into a flower bed and in a rush a vaccarine youth with drawn sword and panting heavily you beast he cried lunging at the earthman as he spoke but in his haste and anger he lunched too hard and too far so the cabot although unarmed was able to step under his guard and grasp him by the wrist before he recovered quick as lightning the boy's sword arm was bent up behind his back slowly grimly cabot forced the imprisoned hand upward between the shoulder blades of his opponent until with a groan the latter relinquished the sword and it fell clattering to the ground smiling cabot stooped down and picked it up and forced the young intruder against the wall now said the earthman explain yourself the boy faced miles like a cornered panther it's quiven he snarled you have stolen my quiven nonsense miles explained what do you mean i am tippy the steadfast the youth replied long have i loved the gold flame and you came to the city when you arrived i was away on a military expedition winning distinctions to lay at the tiny feet of my fair one last night i returned to find her working at your laboratory one or the other you or i must die ah you are absurd in my country tippy returned looking the earthman straight in the eye no common soldier is permitted to take manners to a gentleman i repeat that quibbin but at this point miles cuffed the young vicarine over one ear knocking him flat upon the walk and as he scrambled sputtering to his feet dealt him another blow which sent him reeling to the street then miles barred the gate and turned toward the house in the doorway stood quiven shaking with laughter miles was immediately embarrassed he had known that his encounter had been observed he hated to show off and was afraid that his actions had appeared very melodramatic isn't tippy silly she asked but he may make trouble with your father miles said with a worried frown oh i'm not afraid of father but he will put an end to my experiments 
so Quibben went to chat with her father before young Tippy could get there to stir up possible trouble. She returned later in the day to resume her work. But while she was gone, Cabot referred with Doggo. Why are you building this radio set? The Ant-Man wrote. I do not ask you before in the presence of the lady, for I felt that perhaps you did not wish her to know your plans. Doggo, you show remarkable intuition, said Miles. It is true that I did not wish any of the Vikings to know my idea is to communicate with Cupia, learn how Leela is getting along, and encourage my supporters there to try and hold out until some way I can come secure a farming airship and return across the boiling seas. Ah, then cease your work, Doggo replied. For my plane, in perfect condition, lies carefully hidden in the new wood, not a full day's journey from the city. All that we need is alcohol for the trophil engines. End of chapter 14. Recording by Kenneth Sergeant Gagan.